listening to sermon audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. So for those of you who know me, y'all know I love a good dinner party. I love a good party. I love the good food and drinks. I love the warm company. Y'all know I laugh way too hard. I love to laugh. I laugh from my gut. I love to dance. I'll dance when no one else is dancing. And most of all, I love when we come together to celebrate something special or celebrate someone special in our lives. Uh, when we, usually when we come together, I love it because we're celebrating something awesome that's happening. And the only agenda for the night is to rejoice. And some of the most glorious and expensive parties I've ever been to are wedding receptions. I know many of us have been to wedding receptions of our friends and families, and maybe you've had your own wedding reception for for your own uh, marriage, and uh, maybe you have memories of it. I know mine was largely a blur because things were happening so fast and so quickly and so many selfies were happening. (laughs) But I do have many memories of my own wedding reception. Uh, I love the people. Weddings are one of the only times in life where, like, everyone you know, well, not everyone, but, like, everyone who, who, who like, a, a large portion of people you know and love will come. I had people who drove to Jackson, Mississippi from Virginia. They come to party with you. You have your best friends standing up there with you, and you spend a weekend uh, kicking it with people who want to celebrate with you. I love the food. Now, I can't remember all the food at my wedding because I barely ate any. But people tell me the food was good. We were so busy with the festivities. uh, But even at other people's weddings, that's one of the reasons I like going to other people's weddings because I'm like, ooh, I hope the food is good. Right? And the best weddings are the ones where they're giving you food from the jump. Like you just walk through the door and it's like, food is available. I'm hungry. Um, And expensive and delicious food are often at weddings. I love the dance floor. At my own wedding, I told my uncle was the DJ, and I told him, hey, there is no time at my party where the dance floor is not open. We coming in, and the dance floor is open. So Janelle and I actually had our first dance, like, right out the gate, and then we had our, like, second dance really to the slow John Legend type stuff. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you, the dance floor at my wedding reception was lit. Like, like Janelle was, you know, she's so sweet, so she took selfies the whole time. If she was here, she'd be like, nuh-uh. But, you know, during our wedding reception, like, I remember I was like, you know, we were doing photos. And, like, in the middle, at one point, I walked into the reception room, and I was like, bro, where am I? It's like the whole dance floor was sweaty and, like, jumping up and down. Everyone was dancing. I have a lot of friends who love to dance. And it was a great time. My uncle, I had like a pretty tame um, music playlist, and my uncle balled it up and threw it away. And he just played all just like dance floor hits. It was crazy. And most of all, I love what we are celebrating at a wedding reception. We're celebrating God joining two people together forever. We're celebrating two families joining together, new relationships that are greater than just the married couple there. Marrying Janelle was one of the happiest days of my life, and that is a reason to celebrate. I love wedding receptions. I love dinner parties. But you know what's the most difficult thing about parties? They aren't perfect. And we walk into a party hoping it will be perfect, but it's not. 
Sometimes the company is hard to bear. There's often drama. I know many of you, maybe at your own weddings, the whole weekend was filled with drama and you were waiting for it to be over. Sometimes the food runs out. Sometimes the chicken is dry at the reception. (laughs) Sometimes you walk away from the reception hungry. Uh, Sometimes dancing and laughter are hard to come by. Maybe we're too self-conscious of what was happening around us or we're uncomfortable with the people around us. And it's hard to express joy and celebration at a wedding reception or a party. Sometimes we really don't like the host. We're not really there to celebrate the person that we're supposed to be celebrating. We're there to show our face or to please somebody who felt like we should have been, we, we should be at the party. And you know what's the worst thing about a good party? Is that it has to end. Do y'all ever feel that way for a party, even like a vacation or a sweet moment? I hate it when this happens, when you're enjoying an awesome moment and then you're grieving because it has to end. Yeah, yeah. I try not to do that, but I do it all the time. <laughs> parties, good parties won't last forever. Now, don't get me wrong, a good party will put wind in your sails. But at the end of the day, after a good party, we know that we have to go back to being weary in a weary world. We get weary, then we have a great moment of celebration, and then back to weariness. At the end of the day, we put hopes in parties that these parties cannot meet. And I often think this is why parties oftentimes come with drug abuse. They were oftentimes trying to make the company more enjoyable, the food more bomb, the dancing and laughter more carefree, and we try to forget that there is an end to all beautiful moments. I don't know about y'all, but I want a feast that is perfectly enjoyable. I want drama-free company. I want mind-blowing food. I want carefree dancing and gut-wrenching laughter. And I don't want the party to end. I want a feast with a perfect host who is easy to celebrate. And I want a party that keeps going and going. And when it ends, there's always an after party. And family, Jesus is hosting such a party for us. Again, I said the main point is Jesus has invited us to his wedding reception, so remain faithful. Jesus has invited us to his wedding reception, so remain faithful. So in the text in verses 6 through 10, uh, there's a call to celebrate because when Jesus comes back, there will be a wedding feast. And it will be like one you have literally never seen before. So let's look at all the pieces of this wedding reception. There's an MC. The hype man for the wedding reception is an angel. And he gets on the mic and he says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. The occasion for joy is a marriage that is happening. And why should we rejoice? The angel gives us several reasons. The angel MC. First of all, there's a groom. We see a groom. The groom gives us joy. So the groom is the host of the wedding party and the angel describes him as a lamb. Now, you might be like, what? What's going on here? Revelation is kind of weird. It's all symbolic, and sometimes they mix illustrations, like three or four images at the same time. But in the Old Testament, a spotless lamb was killed on behalf of those who deserved to be killed so that they might be delivered from the wrath of God. A lamb was an atonement, meaning a, a, a lamb was a reparation for wrongs committed against God. Revelation uses lamb imagery to refer to Jesus. So here we have a lamb groom 
who is Jesus, and the wedding party, the wedding feast is made possible because of this lamb sacrifice. He died in order to make reparations for somebody. And you know who he died for? The bride. In this wedding reception, there's a bride, and the bride is the reason to rejoice. See, in bride, bride imagery is oftentimes used in the Bible to refer to the church. In the Old Testament, the bride, the church, was unfit for marriage because the church was uh, 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 immoral and immature. But Jesus, by the power of his sacrificial death, has given her the power to make herself ready. The text tells us in verse 7, the bride has made herself ready. And how has she made herself ready? The angel tells us that there's a wedding dress. It says in, in, in the text, it says the bride is dressed in fine linen, bright and clean. I don't know what bright linen looks like. It's like literally it was like shining. There's an aura around the bride. The bride was glorious and beautiful. And oftentimes this fine linen was made from Egyptian flax. And we are told her dress is clean. And oftentimes revelation will do us a favor and interpret the symbolism for us. And John tells us that the linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The text tells us that these righteous acts, these these clothes, they were given, which means passive. They were given to the church. And we can only assume that they were given by the lamb. The sacrificial death of the lamb has made it possible for her to wear these righteous acts. But not only that, there's also an invite list. The angel MC declares in verse 9 that those who are invited to the wedding reception are blessed. They are blessed, meaning they are greatly happy. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. And the passage here kind of mixes imagery a little bit. Remember how I said Revelation can kind of get a little confusing. The church is not only the bride, but the church are the guests. And the invite list implies that there's an invite. The gospel, the good news, is the invitation to this great feast. And the Bible oftentimes describes eternity as an invitation to a feast and the gospel as the invite card. So, y'all, this feast is amazing. The people are amazing. The food is literally glorious. I don't know if there's a dance floor there. I hope there is. But certainly everyone is out of their minds with joy. And last but not least, the occasion for celebration is breathtaking. God himself has brought his people from persecution, suffering, sin, and struggle to a weighty glory and union with himself. Family, I don't know about you, but I want to be at this party. This sounds like almost like a fairy tale. But this party is real. And oftentimes when we think about eternity, we think about like this disembodied kind of clouds in the sky reality like no god is hosting a real feast on this earth except a million times better and infinitely renovated and it will be at the second coming jesus is coming to bring us a real party this is part of what we celebrate at advent the party is real the party is perfect it is god's party and you are invited In this party, there will be no more drama or toxic relationships because everyone is clothed perfectly with the righteous deeds of the saints. 
There's no slander because we're too busy praising God and talking about our unspeakable joy. In this party, Isaiah 25 tells us that there will be no more hunger because there is rich food and bone full of marrow and well-aged wine that will never run out. The dancing is perfect because there will be no more tears. There's nothing sad anymore in this party. Can y'all imagine that going to a party and there's nothing to be sad about? You don't have to leave your sorrows at the door and pick them back up. There's no more fear or anxiety because there's no danger coming for you. There's no more exhaustion nor sleep because there'll be no more nighttime. Jesus and God himself will be the lamp. The host is perfect. The book of Revelation tells us there'll be no more loneliness because you'll be in perfect harmony with God himself and his people. There will be no more longing for God because you will be able to party with him face to face and celebrate with him. There will be no more injustice because the king of justice is the host. The length of the party is perfect. The length is eternal. There's no fear that this party will ever disappoint us because even if we're able to leave this party, I don't know how eternity works, but if we're able to leave the party, uh, the rest of eternity is just the after party. Like we talked about last week, the coming judgment guarantees that nothing can ever ruin eternity. There will be no more being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Family, oh weary saints. Maybe some of us in here today are thinking about giving up on Jesus because we're too tired. Like, man, I'm too tired for all this Christianity stuff. I'm just trying to survive. I'm too tired to pursue Jesus. I'm just trying to survive. And we're giving up because we're in the middle of the despair. It feels like we're overwhelmed. But let the hope of this coming feast put wind in your sails in the here and now. The feast is in the future, but the book of Revelation was actually written to people in this side of glory to encourage them to hold on, to encourage them to stay faithful, to encourage them to not compromise. It's interesting in uh, uh, Revelation chapter two and three, basically it's a summary of the whole book. And, And to every church, Jesus basically comes and he says, hey, you're weary. You've compromised. The belief that I'm not worth it has creeped in. But let me give you a vision of the future so that you can keep going in the here and now. And that's what Jesus is doing with this feast. Christian, let this coming feast motivate you to remain faithful to Jesus, even though it is really hard right now. Prepare yourself for this wedding reception By dressing yourself with righteous deeds. That's how you get ready. Keep doing the righteous deeds that God has called us to. And we do it right here and right now. In our city, in our places, in our community. This is how we get ready to party. Your labor is not in vain. So here's the thing. How do we we practically do this? What What are some ways this actually looks like? In these moments where we're sick and tired and of being sick and tired, find ways to tangibly remind yourself of the coming feast. So what better way to remind ourselves of the coming feast than to host feasts right here and right now? To host Jesus-glorifying parties. Find ways to celebrate what God is doing in your life right now and in the people around you. You don't have to wait for a graduation or a birthday or whatever else. I dare you 
to slow your life down enough to find margins to host good parties. I know, and look, when I was writing this, I was like, ooh, because, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> My life is too busy for me to host good parties oftentimes. Like, even with, you know, RUF, I was like, we ended the semester, and I was like, you know what? I haven't had students over to my house all semester. This whole semester has flown by. We got to host a party. And I know in our lives, we stop and be like, you know what? I haven't had people over in so long because we are so busy trying to do the next and better thing. And Jesus is calling us to slow down and to celebrate him, his redemption, and what he's doing in our lives and in the lives of people around us. These feasts, these, these good, the good people, good food, like the, the, the good occasion of celebration reminds us of the coming feast that is the, 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 the coming feast. And here's the thing. You can witness to the love of Jesus at these parties. How powerful would it be um, to host a party and to tell non, your non-Christian neighbors, to tell your non-Christian co-workers, you know why I host parties? It's because Jesus is hosting a party. And eternity is going to be a party, and I want to invite you to it. And this party I'm hosting here and now is a signpost to the future. So you might be thinking, you know what, preacher, you know, uh, that's cool and everything, but I'm just too weary. I have no energy nor gas left in the tank to be thinking about remaining faithful to Jesus. I am just too tired. And you might be thinking, at this point, I don't even care. If I'm inviting to if, I, if I'm invited to the wedding feast of the lamb, it feels too it feels too far away. It feels too abstract for you. And you feel like I need strength to keep going. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus, he himself, because he is with you and in you, he brings all of the goodness of this future party to you in the here. And now he gives you a foretaste. And he is the one who gives you the strength to remain faithful. If you don't believe me, let's ask Adam and Eve how they were strengthened. They were weary from their own sin. They had just sinned against God and were trying to make clothes to cover their own shame. They were trying to make fine linens for themselves. But Jesus at the dinner party of Eden gave Adam and Eve clothes to cover their shame. He gave them animal skins. But here's the thing. Jesus right here, right now, brings you something better than animal skins that Adam and Eve wore. He brings you his very own righteousness to wear, not in the future, but he's doing this right here and right now. Jesus himself is your fine linens. Jesus himself is the righteous deeds of the saints. If you don't believe me that Jesus right here, right now, will put wind in your sails, ask Moses. I'm looking forward to being at this feast and sitting next to Moses and asking him and chopping it up with him. How were you strengthened to make it to this feast, Moses? Israel was a newly formed people about to start a weary journey with God. But Exodus 24 tells us that Jesus, the Redeemer, invited Moses, the priests, and the elders to a dinner party on Sinai. It says they ate and drank with God on the mountain. I'm here to tell you that Jesus brings us something better than the dinner party of Mount Sinai. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. They're telling us this is happening right here, right now. As we are gathering, guess who else is gathering? The saints and the angels in heaven. 
Jesus himself is the hospitable host right here and right now of a party to strengthen you. I imagine if I was at that future feast and I'd leaned over and I talked to King David about how he was strengthened in the midst of his weariness. He would talk about maybe the time that he was on the dance floor. He would talk about how he was weary from having the Ark of the Covenant away from Jerusalem, the city where he ruled. And as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, David got so happy that David, the text tells us, danced before the Lord with all his might. You see, Jesus brings us something better than the Ark of the Covenant. He brings you the heavenly throne of grace itself by the power of his blood, and he ushers you into his throne room. And how much more should we be dancing before Jesus? Jesus himself is your dance floor. I imagine if I was there at that future party and I could lean over and ask Mother Mary how she was strengthened in the midst of her weariness, I imagine she might talk about the wedding feast at Cana. She was worried that the wine would run out and that the, everyone would see that the host didn't have enough money to keep the party going. But Jesus covered the cost and paid the bill, so to speak. He turned water into wine and brought enough wine for the party to keep going and going. But family, Jesus paid those bills, but I'm here to tell you that he brings you something better than paid bills in your weariness. I know some of us went into credit card debt to pay for our receptions, but Jesus himself didn't make us do that with, and does not make us do that with the wedding feast of the Lamb. He paid the bill for the heavenly reception, not with silver or gold, but with his own precious blood. Jesus gives us a taste of his redeeming power right here, right now. He has paid it all so we can keep persevering in the midst of a weary world. I imagine if I could go over to the corner of this future wedding feast and talk to the uh, group of disciples, how they were strengthened. They might talk about the night before their savior was killed. They were going into a time of weary tribulation, a time when their savior would be captured. But Jesus had a last feast with them. He told them to eat bread to remember his broken body and to drink wine to remember his spilled blood. But you see, Jesus brings us something better than the Passover meal he ate with his disciples because they were anticipating his death. But we are looking back at his death. Jesus brings us the Lord's Supper, which we are about to celebrate right here, right now. And in this supper, we are looking back to his death and we're looking forward to the future feast that is coming to us in heaven. Right here, right now, Jesus is saying, I want to give you a taste of what's coming so that you can keep going. In this meal, Jesus is saying, don't give up because I want to party with you. Let's do it a little bit right now. Strengthen your knees, weak Christian. Rejoice, weary Christian. Keep going. It is worth it. Family, Jesus will strengthen you to remain faithful. I imagine Jesus might say, write to the angel of the church of Grace Mosaic. <laughs> and he comes to us and he says, to those who conquer, I will give a ticket to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And they will eat with me and dine with me. And they will dance with me. 
and they will see me face to face. The one who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Mosaic. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org.